We continue in our sermon series on the book of Galatians. As we continue to look at this identity that God is building in us as his sons and daughters, as his children, as his heirs. And you'll remember that last week when Mike was here, he preached to us and told us that Paul is battling against a leap, a limp lettuce type of faith. That he was telling us that there is a faith that perseveres, a faith that endures, a faith that is built on knowing Christ completely. And even more than that, verse 9 of chapter 4 reminds us that it's not about us just knowing Christ, but it's that God knows us. That's what he says there in chapter 4, verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather, to be known by God, that it is in fact God who knows us completely, utterly. Everything that we are, everything that we've been, everything that we will be, because he is the one who has created us and made us to be his children. And so we're moving now to a place that Paul is building on that idea of an enduring faith, a faith that is persevering, a faith that moves forward. And today, in this passage that we just read, we see him talking about freedom and faith and unity and service, what we've seen him talking about all along in this book. You remember the very first sermon that I preached on this book, in this series, I said what we're going to see is freedom, faith, unity, and service. And again, we see it happening here. It's almost as if it's important for us to know, as followers of Christ or those who may be wondering what following Christ might look like. I remember the movie Braveheart very well. Do you remember that movie? James was glad that I didn't come up here in a kilt today. I don't own a kilt. If anybody wants to get me one, I promise you I'd wear it. At least once. Braveheart was an amazing movie, and Mel Gibson did an amazing job telling the story of this man who fought against enslavement, bondage, tyranny. And there's two great moments where the word freedom takes place. One is he's on a horse and they're getting ready to go battle and he's running back and forth on this horse and he's trying to get his troops up as they're looking across and realizing they are in no way compared to the army that is on the other side. There's no way they could really possible to defeat them. And at that point, William Wallace, played by Mel Gibson, says this famous line, this line that we probably sometimes feel we need to say in the mirror to ourselves, to pump ourselves up. He said, they may take our lives, but they will never take our freedom. And everybody cheers, yeah, and they're ready to go to battle. Later, as they've captured William Wallace, and as they have him stretched out, and they're getting ready to draw and quarter him, Mel Gibson likes violent things, doesn't he? They're getting ready to pull him apart. What's the word that he screams out? Freedom. Now that's pretty amazing. And it's visceral. And it causes us to go, yes, freedom. Everybody wants freedom. I want you to hear that that's the way Paul is saying this here. It's that 
powerful. It's that resonant in us. He says, for freedom. Not for rules, not for regulations, not for tradition, not for some other form of bondage, but for freedom. Christ has set us free. Freedom is a hard word today for us, oftentimes. When we hear the word freedom, our fleshiness, who we are, tends to begin to think, yes, freedom, I love freedom. It's the ability for me to do what I want, when I want, how I want, and nobody has the right to tell me any different. That's true freedom. And then we look over at our spouse and say, well, maybe not. (laughs) We get indoctrinated into the idea that freedom is about independence. We really get indoctrinated in the States on that. (laughs) We fought a whole revolutionary war about it. Freedom equals independence. And so we think independence means I'm me and mine and myself. Only who I am. We believe that freedom is good and only for ourselves as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And in doing that, what we do is we isolate ourselves away. We deny the fact that humanity actually isn't singular entities running around by themselves. That actually humanity is built on interconnectedness. That there really is nothing that I do or nothing that I say, nay, even nothing that I think, that doesn't in some form or fashion affect those who may be around me. Because it changes my posture. It changes the way that I act towards them or I act towards myself. So that when we think about freedom, we must first think of freedom as something that draws us closer to connectedness, not pushing us further away. Now here specifically, Paul is saying that we have freedom from the bondage of the law. Earlier in the book, in chapter 1, he says that Christ has come to set us free from this evil present age. So here's Christ setting us free from two types of free, or two types of bondage. One is the bondage of good things. Good things. The law was not bad. When we set up those little rules for ourselves to make sure that we can tick all the boxes that we're good, right, followers of Christ, when we say, yes, I have my morning devotion and I read every day and I pray, I go to church as often as I can. And if we all of a sudden in our minds take those good things, not bad things, but make them the thing, then it creates bondage. As a matter of fact, that's really what the Judaizers were doing here. It's not that being circumcised is bad. It's not that following the the dietary laws of Judaism is bad. Those were actually good things. Those were put in place as a guide and a protector to to guard and bring the Israelite nation into an understanding of who God was. Paul even says that they taught us that we were sinners. And we have to know that we're sinners to know we need a Savior. But what they were doing is taking this very good thing and making it the thing. 
And when we do that, it doesn't build freedom. What it does is it builds bondage. It puts us in a place of comparison, often, of those around us. Am I doing as good as them? They're not doing as good as me. All based on a set of criteria that might be good. But because it's become the thing, then it has become bondage. The other thing is about this evil age. That we have freedom from that. That it doesn't inform us in our lives in that way. If you remember the first sermon, I talked about the primary focus of this evil age that we live in now is disunity. It's to drive us further apart, to build us into individual (laughs) know-it-alls who think we have everything right. And it doesn't matter what political spectrum you're on. It doesn't matter on what socioeconomic system you live. It doesn't matter whether you're a fascist or an anti-fascist, as they say in the States. Each one of us have a propensity in our flesh to say, unless they agree with me, they're wrong. Not unless they agree with the truth, of the gospel. Not unless they agree with the truth of who God is, the creator of the world, and how he's made it. And it doesn't lead to freedom. See, if everybody would just get along the way that I would, we'd all be free. No. We'd all be in bondage. Because you yourself and I myself can't live up to my own ideals anyway. There's a term that's used called the golden handcuffs. Now, golden handcuffs are often things that are in business. And what it means is that you have this pay package and this benefits and all these good things that actually keep you shackled to your job, right? That it's almost impossible, even if you hated it, even if you couldn't stand it anymore, because of all these good things that are provided for you, you're handcuffed to it. You can't leave. The Judaizers had made the law, in this particular case, golden handcuffs. They'd said, they're good, but, but they've shackled me. I'm in bondage. Oftentimes, we look at the things that we put around us as protection from sin. Or we look at the things that we put around us as protection from those who might be sinners. <laughs> and we look at them and we go, aren't they beautiful? So gold. So shiny, so brilliant, but we neglect to see the chain that is in between them, making them shackles to us of the bondage that we are in. No wonder, Paul says, freedom, right? Freedom. That's what I've called you to, to move past the beautiful bracelets that are actually bondage. And the great thing about it is that our freedom that we receive isn't trapped in the past, and it's not trapped even in our present circumstance, but our freedom is future-focused. It doesn't determine itself as worldly freedom does that says, how am I going to be seen today? Or what pleasure can I gain today, (laughs) right now? No, this freedom that Paul is calling us to is a freedom that is future-focused. Listen to what he says. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves 
eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. That the freedom that God is pushing us into, the freedom that God is pursuing for us, is one that says, yes, your circumstances here can be hard, but you have a future hope that is beyond. That there is something that propels us forward. Why? Because we know that while I'm outwardly fading away, sort of, while I'm outwardly fading away, God himself is renewing me internally every day. That I'm becoming more and more like him in his grace, in his love, in his truth, in his justice, in his compassion. And even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't see it myself, it is happening. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises. And he says this, that I am moving you forward in the hope of your righteousness. Why go back to these little gold shackles when you have freedom? Our freedom is a reminder that today is not the culmination. Today is not it. But today is part of the whole. And the reality is, as children and as heirs, we no longer have to have the yoke of bondage that he so eloquently says, for freedom Christ set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. And he goes a step forward and says, now that you know that you have a freedom that is based on what is coming, the hope that is there, he says, now, all these things, that you've built up, that put you in bondage, they do not matter. The only thing that matters is faith working itself through love. Sadly, in our world today, we often operate as if faith and love are two separate things. We live in an either-or. Well, either you have right faith or you have right love. It's hard to have both. I want to tell you that Paul would say, no, that it is a both-and That actually, in fact, our love of God compels us to have faith and love. Not only that, the beauty of that word faith in this particular place is that it can be faith that is given to us by love from the Father, and it can be our very faith that we have in love with the Father. So God, the one who pursues us to have a whole relationship with himself, with ourselves, with others, and with place, is the one who gives us this faith in him. And then in turn, we fall madly and deeply, astonishingly in love with him so that our faith continues to grow. That God's love is always steadfast throughout all of his story, we hear that. And that you and I, as those who are in Christ, we receive that steadfast love as well. That it does not shake, it does not change, it is not hindered. And so we have that ability to then move towards others. To lift up others. To pursue others. To say, whether or not you are with me, in everything that I believe and all the rules that I keep does not eliminate me from loving you, from moving towards you, for being for you. Next week, we'll see 
what faith working itself out in love looks like even more. So I encourage you to either come back or listen to it on the podcast after that. And it's at this point that Paul becomes the grumpy cat. Have you seen that meme of the grumpy cat? Just those eyes squinted, the ugly... Now, all cats are not pretty to me, but this cat in particular is not pretty at all. He's just grumpy. Or he's like a grumpy old man who says, Get off my yard, kids! He gets so riled up that he says, These guys that want you all to be circumcised, I just wish they would take it all off. That's supposed to be shocking to us. Let me repeat it to you. He says, those of you who want you to follow this rule so much and take you back into bondage, I wish they would just get rid of it. Are you allowed to say that in church? It's that important, though, see? It's so important for us to recognize that our good works can become bondage to us. And they are not effective to move us to the place of serving one another. As a matter of fact, bondage always isolates. Always. It can do no other. We are in solitary confinement. But true freedom, the freedom that he's talking about here, moves us to serve one another. Moves us away from the yoke of slavery to where he is at. That's why right after he says it. Now think about the guys hearing him. I mean, that would be pretty amazing <laughs> in the first time that it was read in their place. Then he turns right away and says, for you, you were called to freedom. Freedom! And only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, look, everything that you guys are trying to do, that's what he's saying. Everything that you think you're trying to keep that keeps throwing you back into bondage, it is fulfilled in this one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you do not consume one another. We move in freedom in order to serve one another, and we walk in repentance. That's how it works first. We have a posture that is a posture of repentance. In every situation, in every moment, we're not always seeking to justify ourselves. We're not always seeking to make sure we're on the right side of the law. We're not making sure that we've done everything according to plan. What we're doing is seeking out and saying, where have I hurt? Where have I offended? Where have I neglected? And it's not to beat ourselves up, folks. It's not in order to say, badly, badly, badly. Both personally and adverbally, I guess. But it is for us to recognize that freedom allows me to see God's grace so much larger. 
So much so that Paul's a little worried here that when he's telling them about freedom, when he's saying, freedom, you are free, free indeed. There is nothing that can take you back to bondage. Don't go there. The only thing that matters is love, working itself out, faith, working itself out in love. That's it. You are free, free. He says, now wait a minute, guys. I'm talking about freedom here, and I'm, you might get this the wrong way. It doesn't mean you can just do willy-nilly anything you want. It's not that. It's not that world type of freedom. It's freedom that you've been delivered from it. It's freedom that you are no longer in the evil age. It's freedom that you're no longer trapped in the bondage of right things. It's freedom. And in some ways, we can hear Paul echoing back to Jesus. Now, he's talked about Christ here. But we can maybe even hear him more. Listen to Jesus the one who makes our freedom possible. Listen to what he says in Matthew. Don't go back to the yoke of slavery. Jesus says this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal himself. Then he says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gently and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Freedom. Freedom. Paul says, don't return to the yoke of slavery. Put on the yoke of Christ. It is easy and light. It is one of freedom and faith and unity and service. Let's pray. Father God, hear these words today. May they be your words. May they bring to you glory and honor. May they take root in our hearts so that we can bear good fruit for you, so that we can know you more deeply. If these are not your words, let them burn up and fly away. Let them not corrupt us, but let them bring glory to you. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.